Well, good morning, Northlands. I wanted to just take a few minutes and just share a brief word with you because I just feel like this is what the Lord's doing this morning. And it was emphasized in worship, in, in the prophetic words that were shared. And I really feel like the Lord said He's opening eyes this morning. I, I saw a picture of, of people standing in front of, of large boulders and hands were on these boulders trying to move these, these heavy rocks and they were not moving. And I feel like they were specifically boulders of, of unbelief and discouragement. And I felt like the Lord said, I felt like I heard him say, stand back and watch me blow these mountains up on your behalf. It was almost like he said, just if you Make could stand back a little bit, then I can deal with this mountain. And I really believe he's removing obstacles. I feel like he's been doing it throughout the morning from the time that we started meeting this morning. I feel like he's removing obstacles on behalf of his people because he so wants us to see his goodness again. And I felt like I could hear him saying, would you take your eyes off of the mountain just for today? Could you take your eyes off of the mountain today? Could you look into my eyes? And Revelations 19, 12 says, his eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. <laughs> his eyes are like a blazing fire. You know, if you look into a blazing fire, you're not going to see the boulder. You're not gonna see that, that mountain that's been so real. So I just wanted to encourage us this morning to, to just take our eyes off of the mountain just for this morning, that mountain that's been big, that mountain that hasn't moved yet. I feel like God's gonna move it. I feel like he's gonna blow those mountains up. I feel like he's already doing it. And even as, as Greg is preaching the word, God is doing something in the spirit. He's moving things if we will look at him. So there's an invitation this morning from heaven. There's an invitation to adjust our gaze an invitation to adjust our gaze from the mountain into his eyes. And we're going to see some mountains move this morning. I don't believe we're gonna leave here the same if we will just adjust our gaze, Very stand cool. back and see what he's going to do. Very cool, Benny. Amen. Amen. That's my sermon. She said it quicker and she looked better doing it. <clears throat> Have you ever had a real disagreement with somebody, a real like uh, relationship ending fight and uh, full of anger and accusation? And then if there's no further contact with them, what we typically tend to do, or maybe it's just me, is we tend to roast them. We put them on a spit and we rotate the situation around and around in our mind. And we remember all the little incriminating details and all the horrible things they did. And we add anecdotes and the things we wish we could have said and we go through the story again and again. And we rotate that thing around and around and we open our eyes up for anybody else's stories and we justify our own actions and our words. And so after a few months of rotation, that thing is burned to a crisp and uh, you're at war. If not openly, at least in your heart and your mind, you're at war, these are enemies now. And that feeling of roasting a thing is, is exactly how it's been with mankind and God since Adam was kicked out of the garden. Mankind had sinned, 
God had set up boundaries and rules. Man had rejected the rules and then had suffered the consequences of rejecting God's rules. And a state of war had existed between God and mankind and the great roasting of God began from mankind. The outcry from rebel hearts. We don't have to submit to God. He's the one who is in the wrong. And we follow our ancestor Adam down the road of self-justification. It's not my fault. It's the woman that you gave me. And the same old stories repeated generation after generation. If God didn't want me to do this, why did he create me like this? Some people are not that open in their rebellion. Some have nevertheless settled for a kind of detente, which is uh, I do some form of religious duty for a moment on a Sunday in exchange for a week devoid of any other thinking about God. We live completely free from God's word or command or instruction until our choices land us in deep destruction when we call out to God for help after blaming him for his lack of love and attention. Does that sound familiar? That's the way it was between God and mankind. And oftentimes the servants of God, those who knew him, in a mixture of trying to communicate the truth and trying to talk about what is right, uh, ended up sounding like they were just judging everybody else and they were mocked and reviled and beaten and rejected. And nobody likes your weaknesses exposed. So the enmity continued between God and mankind and between the servants of God and between the rest of people and almost every time anybody heard anything from heaven, it tended to represent rebuke or judgment or condemnation. So this uneasy relationship where a great chasm had opened up between God and man and uh, God choosing to be faithful and not diminish himself in order, be, in order to be just and awesome and holy and uh, all his communication had been consistent with, guys, you guys have really fallen short. I love you, but you gotta pick up the standards here. So God described the chasm that existed and the consequences that justice demanded and the standard of his holiness that he would not diminish and the penalty of rebellion against his ultimate authority. And that's what people heard. But very few people heard alongside of that the longing of God to redeem and to forgive and to embrace and to reconcile and to justify and to love people. That got lost in the mix was never far from the prophet's voice, but it it was drowned out by people's own roasting of God in their own hearts. So Romans 3 deals with this reality and says God had to deal with something. God had to deal with this chasm that existed, the slow roast of God. And uh, this is what Romans 3, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, the propitiation, the one who absorbs all the wrath of God, all the justified wrath of God against our evilness, weakness, sin and brokenness. All of the anger and wrath of God. God presented his son as the sacrifice to absorb all of that through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God had said the soul who sins will die. And when Adam sinned, he did physically, he spiritually died and eventually he died physically. 
but God withheld his immediate judgment from mankind. In his patience, he withheld the judgment because he didn't want mankind to ultimately die. He did this, verse 26, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith. God wanted to be just, to be right and true and uphold the standards of his holiness. And at the same time, he wanted to be the one who justified those who had fallen short. And in order to be both just and the one who justifies, he needed somebody to take the pain, somebody to take the blame, someone to bear the punishment, someone to pour out their blood. And so in order for God to be both the one who is just and the one who justifies, he sent his only son as a sacrifice of atonement for you. So all the people who had heard of anger and wrath and judgment, up until the moment Jesus comes onto the earth, when Jesus is born, suddenly there is a new message, there is a new shout out to mankind from heaven. The whole tenor of heaven changes, the whole message changes, and here a solution from God in a baby's body, kindness in human frame, and a brand new message from heaven is revealed. It's really the heart of God accurately revealed. A massive shift has just happened on the earth because this child has been born. So Luke 2 picks up the story and speaks to that. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now this is for free, this is not in my notes, but I suspect, because there are angel, we know the angel armies, but we also know the angel choirs. In Revelation, it says there's a choir around the throne numbering 10,000 times 10,000. So 100 million angel choir around the throne. So, I, so I, it, says, it says a great host of angels showed up now. We're gonna get to that piece. But yes, this is Haswell theory. One angel was tasked with building the stage for the great, and so these angels had practiced for a couple of thousand years. And it wasn't just a 16 part harmony, is when it gets loud, the angels get bigger and they shine different light. They had choreographed this whole thing. It was impressive. They'd been practicing for 100,000 years and they had got it down. <laughs> and the moment came and there were two big angels holding back the sky, about to rip it open and the whole choir was, <coughs> okay, okay, stop pushing, okay. Right, and the angels are ready. And this is what suddenly, curtain back. There was, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, this was heaven's great celebration, the great proclamation of heaven. The whole world is changing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now, these angels are singing this in 16-part harmony. They, lights and, and three very surprised shepherds are just blown away. I wonder what the head angels have been practicing 100,000 years felt like. Not much of an audience down there. 
I want you to catch this. The great message of heaven has now become the favor of God is towards man. Goodwill towards men. This is a profound message. And man, have some people missed this declaration. Some people are still preaching the old covenant to God's people. I'm going, look, welcome to this millennia. Come join us here. There is a new message to mankind, not just to the church, to mankind. There is a new tenor, there is a new focus of heaven and the focus of heaven is goodwill. The favor of God is towards man. Why? Because this day in the city of David, a savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. There's a new message from heaven. Pour the contents of this message into a human heart, add faith and stir. And everything changes. Just add faith to this package and stir. You become a brand new person. Now, the magic of this new message is not that the message calls for a greater effort from you. We all know in this room that sinning is stupid and bad and it will hurt you. Don't do it. We all know the rebellion against God is foolishness of the highest order. Don't do it. We all know that the beginning of wisdom is to seek the Lord and to fear His name. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. You fear the Lord, you turn towards Him, you come running to Him, and life will change and be transformed for you. This is not a message about what you should and shouldn't do. I'm assuming you know that you're not to be stupid. I've been stupid and I've been wise and wise is better. not be foolish. But in this message, the power of the message of the gospel is not that I add this good news, this message about God's favor, this new dispensation of God, that I add more effort to that message, but I need to believe that message. So the fight that we're called to fight is the fight of faith, not the fight of extra works. Paul didn't say, fight the fight of extraordinary works. He said, fight the fight of faith. And so the point of contact, the point of warfare, the, the press of the enemy is not going to be against your religious works, but against what you believe. Yeah. And in this season where we've been through a couple of years of pressure, I, I just wanna say that along with some of the pressures, what the enemy's trying to sow, the seed the enemy's been trying to sow as life gets dug up and changed and transformed, the enemy's come to sow unbelief and no, God doesn't wanna work with you and God doesn't like you. He's trying to sow and work against the faith that is necessary for you because when you add your faith to this beautiful gospel of good news, life changes for us. Mark 9, I was reminded of this. I spoke to a few people this week who've been through the ringer, to be honest. And uh, they're all going, man, I'm a little beat up. I'm a little pressed down. I'm a little hard pressed. It's a little tough for me right now. It's a little hard to believe for good things. And... Uh, when I look at the circumstances in their life, I go, I understand why you're feeling that. But let me tell you, 
have I got good news for you. If you're just gonna align your ear to the voice of heaven, you're gonna hear God's favor is with you. Good will towards you. Now, you don't understand, Greg, how I've messed up. You don't understand the weaknesses. Just align your ear to the heaven's voice and you'll hear favor of God that rests on you if you believe in Jesus. Mark 9, there was a boy who was demon-possessed and the demon kept throwing him into fire and water in, in spasms and uh, he was manifesting because the father brought him to Jesus. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father shouted out, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, I think that's, that's a pretty accurate, for a lot of us in the church, where the enemy's been sowing the seeds of unbelief in the, in the last couple of years, where people have been in through tough times and hard pressed and wounded and pressed, that the enemy sowed unbelief. You know, God doesn't really love you. You know, this is, not, this is how you're gonna stay the rest of your life. This will be your future. You, you, you're never gonna hear the voice of God. You never, God's never gonna answer your prayers. This pain is gonna stay with you the whole time. Those whispers, the enemy's been screaming and I, and I felt like there was a cry in the spirit. Lord, I do believe. Can you help me with this unbelief? Because I suddenly got a crop of unbelief in my life. There's a mountain, there's a boulder of unbelief and I've been pushing and I can't seem to get rid of it. And I think today's message and the whole time of today is uh, the, the invitation from the Lord to take three steps back. Smack it, Lord. Let me prophesy a little. Somebody asked me, what do you feel like the Lord's doing today? There is an incredible tenderness in the heart of God towards you, his people. And there is a, a, a powerful violence in the Lord's heart against that which harms you. And he wants to throw a hand grenade into the middle of this meeting and it's going to blow up and it's going to destroy that which harms you and it's going to encourage those who cling to the Lord all in the same explosion. But one of the things the Lord comes with is powerful weapons of destruction to destroy that which, which you have been wrestling with. But some of us have come to cling to the thing and we're defined by it. We've got arms and legs wrapped around. And the Lord's going, uh, if, if you could just take three steps back, just create a little distance between you and this thing because I'm gonna smack this thing and I wanna bless you. It's a little trickier if your arms and legs are wrapped around it. Am I preaching to anyone? Some of us need to just take a few steps back. Korah said, I think I should be high priest. And somebody said, yeah. And God said, no, no, Aaron's high priest. But he persisted. No, I think I'm high priest. And so God said, okay. Tell you what, everybody. Everybody just move away from the tents of Korah. Israel said, oh. And Moses said, watch, God's, the ground's gonna swell up. And he said, if, if, the, if God's not speaking through me, then nothing will happen. But, if, if, but just get a little distance. Don't stand too close. When the ground opens up, you don't wanna be close. Does it make sense? Some, some people here are clinging to the pain 
or the unbelief or the hurt, or I was, and you don't understand this, and we're clinging to it, and God's going, just back up, let me deal with it. That was the word. Just back up, let me deal with this. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And so I, I began, so this was not the direction of my message, and then I felt like the Lord hijacked me, and he began to speak to me about seven things that feed unbelief. So I want to talk to you very briefly about the seven things that feed unbelief, and I don't have a lot of time, so stick with me. Listen quickly. The first one is the sting of injustice. This can be an intoxicating influence in our spirit. If something un- what you think is unjust has happened to you, if you're not careful, that injustice, that sense of injustice will drip feed bitterness into your heart. And injustice brings with it questions uh, of the God of justice. How did this happen? Why didn't you stop it? Or why didn't you correct it? Why haven't you proven my case? Why didn't you fight for us? Why did, why? And I'm just here to tell you, uh, I want you to hear the message, receive the goodwill of God. Because the lie that justice brings is that justice will never come for you. You will never see justice. And one of the answers the Lord is teaching me about this one is to praise Him. Paul and Silas, they were unjustly arrested. They were stripped naked, embarrassed. They were beaten and whipped. They were thrown into jail. The jailer was told, these guys don't by any means let them escape. So they put in stocks in the inner place So they've been embarrassed, they've been beaten, they've been unjustly locked in prison, they've been uh, threatened, and at about midnight, they're praising God. And the whole jail shakes. Other people were listening to them, and just because two people praised God, the whole city was in uproar because everybody was released because two people chose to praise. Some people here, you're, you're stuck with a sting of injustice. Let me just encourage you. You want out of that? Commit to praise. Number two, see, when injustice comes, the enemy comes to throw seeds of unbelief. Don't let him. Disappointment of unanswered prayer, number two. Because we summon our hearts and we can't be more serious about it and we cry out and it seems like heaven is brass, the gates of heaven are shut to us. We experience unanswered prayers and it often causes us to create a theology that's not found in the Bible or to just give up because this deferred hope makes my heart sick and I just can't deal with it anymore. To you, I wanna say, receive the good will of God. Because the lie of the unanswered prayer is that God will never answer you. And, the, and the, the thing that you should do is to ask and seek and knock and keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And if you haven't had answered prayer today, Yet, keep asking. There's only two types of situations, those you've prayed for and those you haven't prayed for. The ones you haven't prayed for, if you don't pray for something, then it stands. But if you are still prepared to pray for something, then the circumstances are malleable. They are susceptible to change. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and avails much. It is powerfully effective. And so the, the fact that my prayer hasn't been answered yet doesn't mean it's not the call to stop praying. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. And so if you haven't yet, the point, but Greg, you don't know how long I've been praying. Yeah. Keep going. Number three. 
what feeds unbelief, the isolation of abandonment or rejection. If people for whatever reason turn their backs on you and you opened your heart wide but they closed theirs off to you. Paul said, I've opened my heart wide, why have you closed yours to me? And they've encouraged other people to do the same to you. And that abandonment or rejection causes some people to feel very alone. Like there's no one who cares for you. So the lie is nobody cares for you. And the answer is, be deliberate about community. If you're feeling lonely, I'm telling you in this time, commit to community. Put it in your calendar. Make an appointment. Make three appointments a week to be with people. Commit to community. Well, I'm feeling lonely. Well, who did you call? No, I didn't call anyone. Nobody called me. The phone rings on both sides of the... Like rings both ways. Pick up the phone. Say, tell somebody, I'm feeling lonely. Can I come over? Or can you come over? Can, let's get together. Let's go do something. Number four, the demoralizing effect of long-standing pain. <laughs> if you're in physical pain for a long period of time, that's demoralizing and draining. And it saps your energy and it chips away at your resolve. And if it's sharp enough and long enough, people even surrender to it. Just give up and go, I can't anymore. I'm just going to drift with the tide. And I'm not, I'm not preaching condemnation here. Well, I'm just telling you I understand some of these realities. This is what some, some of you are going through right now. And what the enemy does in the middle of that time, he, th he seasons, he throws as much unbelief seed as he can into your heart and mind. But the message from heaven is, receive the good will of God. The lie is, this will never ever get better. And like the woman with the issue of blood who'd spent everything she had on doctors. This wasn't a short-term issue for her. She said, I'm gonna push through the crowd and I'm gonna reach out, I'm gonna just touch the edge of his robe. I'm gonna get to Jesus. I don't care how much is in the way, I don't care how many obstacles, I don't care how many other opinions, I don't care how many other people, I'm gonna press through because all I need is to, to grab the edge of his cloak. I don't even need his long-term attention. I don't even need to stop while he's doing. I'm just gonna walk by and just grab the edge. Number five, the betrayal of a confidant. Betrayal by a friend or a trusted colleague or a spiritual leader can take the ground out right underneath your feet. Because what used to be a safe place now just became unsettled and shaky ground. And it makes you question everything. To you, I wanna say, receive the goodwill of God. Because the lie of the betrayal is that no one is trustworthy. And the answer is, dare to trust again. But Craig, if I trust the spiritual leader again, they may take advantage of me again. Yep. But if you don't, you'll never get the benefit. If I trust somebody else, they may, they may, they may do me a dirty. Yeah. But you'll never have the, the beauty of a friendship or a marriage or a partnership. Number six, the shock of tragedy. Trauma is the current imprint of pain and shock and fear of a past event. Especially if you didn't have time to deal with it or mourn for it appropriately. And some people have had the shock of tragedy. And the lie is your entire life is gonna be traumatic. 
And the answer is get back to healthy routines, especially spiritual ones. Lastly, incessant opposition. Constant opposition, wave after wave, and you just come hit above the next wave hits, next wave hits. Each one alone is not that big a deal, but the cumulative effect of them all are massive. I'm going to say receive the goodwill of God. The lie of incessant opposition is you have no hope. The answer to incessant opposition is incessant prayer. As often as the waves come, cry out to God again. Because one of the promises in the scriptures is though the world and its desires will pass away, the enemy cannot sustain what you can outlast. You will always be able to outlast him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can keep praying and you can keep going. So the sting of injustice, the disappointment of unanswered prayer, the isolation of abandonment or rejection, the demoralizing effect of long-standing pain, the betrayal of a confidant, the shock of a tragedy, or incessant opposition. One of those seven, some people in this room have faced all seven in the last year. And let me just tell you what the enemies try to do. In the middle of each one of those, he comes to sow seeds of unbelief. You see, God's not for you. God's changed. The message of heaven is not really the favor of God towards you. It's, God's a little bit ticked and he's left you and God's not in a season where he's listening. All of those lies, the seeds of unbelief. And the church needs to come to a place where we say, Lord, I believe. Help me with this unbelief. You all look so spiritual, like I'm just preaching this to me. But I'm gonna close this message with a prayer time. Because I know that there's some people sitting here that desperately need this message. Because I wanna say to you that the message of heaven to you today is that God's favor is with you. Because this child was born and because you believed on him, God's favor is with you. I know some people have been going through all seven of those. Some of you have faced all seven. Some of you may have just had one. Some have had all seven. And in every time, the enemy's trying to sow seeds of unbelief. And this is what they said on the day of Pentecost. When they were cut to the heart and they said, we want to make a change. Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, you need to do these two things. You need to repent and you need to believe. And those are two choices we make. Today, we're going to get rid of some of this stuff needs forgiveness. You need to just speak out forgiveness to the people who were behind it. Some of it you just need to say, Lord, I'm gonna forgive. Some of it you need to forgive yourself. Maybe somebody abandoned you. Maybe somebody betrayed you. Maybe you feel like the Lord has betrayed you because he hasn't answered your prayers. Maybe the incessant opposition, you go, something's wrong with me. I don't mind what, what it is, but I just wanna say, I feel like the word of the Lord over this whole day and over this meeting specifically has been the Lord has come to destroy that which is trying to hurt you and he's come to encourage everything about you. He's come to breathe life and hope and his passion. And if you heard anything today, I, want, I wish I could take the megaphone of heaven and put it right next to your ear and I want you to hear the angels' voices singing. This is what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill from heaven 
to you. David said in Psalm 27, I would have lost heart if unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be of good courage and wait. I was gonna ask people to stand who one of those seven things was what you've been through, but I'm pretty sure the whole bunch of us would stand. I do believe the Lord gave us a word of wisdom for the day. And that word Michelle brought, just step back, create a little distance between you and the thing that's been trying to harm you, the thing that's been trying to build up unbelief, just create a little distance. And we're gonna pray a prayer and ask the Lord to come and destroy it on your behalf. Some of us need to let go a little bit and back up. Because we've been clinging to this hurt or this justification or this reason why I let it go, step back and let's let the Lord deal with it. If you know the person sitting next to you, won't you just hold hands with them? I'm not saying hold a hand, stranger's hand, but if you, your spouse or your family, you're together, if they're friends and you like them. Oh, no, not me. I don't know what I'm just saying. The reason I'm doing that is because I, I, I don't want to single out anybody. I genuinely feel like this is for all of us. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So I'm going to ask the Lord to clear out unbelief and anything that caused it. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for everybody in this meeting. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would do something profound for us. That a new day comes. I know, Father, there are people in this meeting hurting. And for them, Lord, I pray the tenderness, the loving kindness of God would be released all over this place today. I thank you, Lord, that you would watch over us, each one, and that this message of peace would suddenly go, Lord, from our ears to our hearts. And I do, Lord, I speak out peace. Peace to your people. And the goodwill and the favor of God, I release it, Lord, into every circumstance. Lord, we step back from those things that have tried to sow seeds of unbelief into our heart, the accusations that God will never come through. This is always the way it's gonna be. Your prayers are never gonna be effective. Nobody will ever like you. Father, we just rebuke all of that. We forgive. Lord, if there is anything to forgive, we forgive anybody who's caused us any harm. But we create distance now, Lord. And so right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I release your fire to destroy what has hurt your people. I release your fire, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Break it up, Lord. Break it up, Father. Bring freedom and life. Touch lives, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Let the glory of the Lord fill this place. Yeah, that's good, Lord. Yeah. Lord, would you walk among us right now? Jesus, minister to your people. You said, Lord, the weapons that we fight with, you gave me authority, Lord, in Jesus' name to tear down strongholds. And I tear down every lie of unbelief. Every time a seed of unbelief was sown, I break it out of your hearts of your people. I destroy it now, Lord. We release the fire of God to burn up that crop. Not one will remain. But Lord, our faith would be stirred and that your people be encouraged and that hope begins to arise. That the tender mercies of God would be experienced by your people. That they would feel, Lord, your love and your care and your concern. That, Lord, all our weaknesses and our brokenness and our mistakes and our rebellions are not enough, not even close enough to match the power and the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice on my behalf. That that body and that blood has washed me completely clean forever holy and blameless in your sight, Father, because of that body and that blood. And so, Jesus, we bless you and we love you and we embrace you. What a profound gift this day in our lives, the Savior. And so, Father, I bless your people. Lord, for every disappointment, I want to sow a new seed of hope. I'm asking Holy Spirit that right now, right now, you would drop a seed of hope into every place where there has come a disappointment. If you don't mind, we're just gonna linger here just for a little while more because I feel like the Lord's not finished yet. Would you just surrender every ounce to him, holding nothing back? Anything you hold back, he, he, uh, it gets really delicate for him to destroy and to bless. Lord, we hold nothing back. You can have it all. Destroy, Lord, every work of the devil in us, in our children, in our extended family, in this church family. Break every work of the enemy and pour peace and kindness and favor into every person who has a hungry heart in this place. Well, as near as we can tell, the only thing that you said is that we need to believe. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. And we do. Lord, I release your peace to take root and to govern people. In Jesus' name, amen.